Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. A PBS Frontline documentary is set to air on Tuesday, February 15th, called American Reckoning. It takes us back to the civil rights era, focuses on the still unresolved killing of local NAACP leader Warless Jackson in Natchez, Mississippi. Also looks at the black opposition to racist violence in the South, focusing on a group called Deacons for Defense and Justice. Fascinating story, and had the chance to talk with co-directors and co-producers Brad Lichtenstein, and Yoruba Richin. So to st- I'll start with you, Yoruba. Kind of give me the origin story here of how did you become interested, become involved in this story? Well, actually, the origin story starts with Brad. So, um, Brad, why don't you start and then I'll talk about how I got involved. Sure. Uh, the origin story of this actually goes back to um, a relationship I was blessed with I met John Lewis, Congressman Lewis, the late uh, civil rights leader, when I was 15 years old in high school, and I worked for his congressional campaign in Atlanta, where I grew up. And many, many years later, we stayed in touch all those years. Uh, Back in 2014, I was in his office. We were uh, talking about some different film ideas, and his press secretary, Brenda Jones, told me about the cold cases or the unsolved cases that were part of the Emmett Till Act, which Mr. Lewis had authored back in 2008. And that's really what kind of pointed us to the story that eventually became American Reckoning. And I uh, started on the project a few few years after. Brad and I uh, knew each other from previous projects, and we uh, met Uh, again at Sundance in 2016. And we were talking about what we were working on and projects we were developing. And he told me about this. um, And I was immediately interested. He asked if I wanted to work with him as a co-director on this film. And when I saw the initial uh, trailer that he had produced and the treatment, having seen this archival footage really, you know, sealed the deal for me. It was footage I'd never seen before. It was a story I'd never heard before about the Black resistance, the terror and the Black resistance um, in Natchez, and of course, the story of of Warless Jackson. Uh, so uh, we started partnering That's at that time, and, you know, here we are. Brad, can you build on talking about the substance of this? You mentioned the Emmett Till Act. First of all, the Emmett Till Act 2008 I don't know that a lot of people are familiar with that. Can you explain what that legislation was and then kind of give us a a primer of the documentary itself? Sure, sure. So really, people need to understand that there are probably thousands of crimes, murders that were perpetrated against Black people, mostly in the South in the 60s, that have gone unsolved. About 150 of those crimes were part of an FBI effort to look into cold cases, which generated a list that eventually was written into the legislation that Mr. Lewis authored to officially reopen these cases, re-examine these cases. Uh, Now, I should mention two things. One is that none of those cases have resulted in a conviction, much less uh, an indictment. 
Of course, these are very old cases, so it's very difficult to be able to bring the evidence and to um, complete some kind of indictment. A lot of work, by the way, on these cases were done by reporters all over the country, uh, one of whom worked with us, Stanley Nelson, who's based in Louisiana. But the other thing I should mention is that Congressman Lewis at the time was really interested in a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, much like South Africa. And he understood that the politics at that moment uh, were not going to allow for legislation like that to pass. So the Emmett Till Act, in a sense, was a compromise. But in any case, it reopened all these cases. And once we became aware of these cases and eventually landed on telling the story of Warless Jackson Sr., we ourselves had a whole new reveal, which was a civil rights story that we had never heard of and that most people have never heard of. You know, usually you think of Dr. Martin Luther King, you think of Rosa Parks, you think of some of these names that, in a sense, the narrative of civil rights have been kind of reduced to um, and simplified. But in this story, we were able to discover not just um, a story of foot soldiers in the civil rights movement who had not ever really been understood, known, recognized, but also a strategy that did not conform to the overall narrative of nonviolence. Um, the Deacons for Defense were a Black armed resistance group who were protecting protesters and fighting back, protecting their community and fighting back against the Klan. Yoruba, Warless Jackson is not a name I had heard of before I was introduced to the work you that you guys were doing. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about Warless Jackson? Yeah, Warless Jackson was a Korean War veteran. Um, he was the father, uh, a father of five children they had in total. Yeah, he was a family man. He was the husband of Exerlina, uh, who's also his wife, who's also in the film uh, via uh, home video that they filmed of her before she passed. And he was, you know, not a stoic man. Um, he didn't he was protecting his children from the violence, uh, from knowledge of the violence that was all around them. Um, he himself was in some ways a marked man uh, because of his work in civil rights and because he had taken a job at the Armstrong Tire Plant, taking a, a promotion, which had never been held before by an African-American. And the Armstrong plant was full of KKK folks. And that was also part of the reason that he was targeted. And he also worked with the Deacons for Defense, the resistance group that that we just mentioned. And so he was doing this. And he was he was the secretary of the NACP. So he was doing this work, you know, and this work was very dangerous, um, obviously. And it was also, um, you know, he didn't talk a lot about in terms of uh, with his family. His family was worried for him. were worried about him, uh, but he did the work and he continued. He's one of so many people that uh, we don't hear about in terms of their local fight for justice and how that local fight is the part of, was part of is part of the national black freedom struggle. One of the things that on one hand is so sad and depressing, but on the other hand is fascinating is finding out stories like this that I feel like in the last couple of years I have my eyes have been open to so many of these stories that have were rolled into the civil rights or really the last 150 years total. Uh, but we haven't focused on, uh, Brad, how, you know, as you learn about this, as you kind of un unveil it, how, 
what was it like for you to learn about this and dig into the tragedy, the story, you know, just kind of learning about it and, and researching it and putting this together? You know, on a big level, I think it just contributes to to my understanding and hopefully audiences that, you know, this narrative that we tell ourselves about the civil rights movement often is about that was then, you know, we progressed so much and now we're in this better place. But at the beginning of our film, at the funeral of Wireless Jackson, a man says, in the audience of the funeral and the procession says they've been killing us here for 400 years. And then goes on to say, wake up white people before it's too late. And, you know, we named the film American reckoning because we want to connect that past to the present, that there's so much that is said in our film, which takes place, you know, over 50 years ago that could be said right now in the streets of Minneapolis or Ferguson, or for that matter, really any city in America So part of it is just understanding that this is a continuum. This is not, you know, some separate part. And then, you know, personally, when you make films like this, Yoruba and I became very close to particularly the Jackson family. And a lot of the work that we do is so based in relationships. So, um, you know, it's a lot of care and um, and a lot of listening. And, uh, you know, there have been decisions that we made to tell the story about, for instance, what photographs we might use to help tell the story that uh, really involved us talking with the Jackson family and understanding what their wishes would be, because ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's their family who made sacrifices and it's their family who is living with that trauma to this day. Yoruba, what was it like for you to, to dig into this story and help put this together? I think what is appealing to me as a filmmaker is telling these stories that haven't been told before, seeing these stories in a new in a new way that has been unexplored. So being able to do that with this film and to tell it through archive primarily was really incredible. And that Frontline supported us to do that. Um, Frontline, you know, normally is a much more sort of investigative uh, platform. And when they saw what we had in the film, they really supported us to move, dig even further into the archive and the historical um, narrative and how that historical narrative obviously, you know, played out uh, throughout the years up until today. So it was a real, uh, even though it's a tragic story, it was a real joy to be able to make this this film uh, with Brad, with our team, and with the support of Frontline uh, for uncovering uh, the really the support to uncover this history through the film. My next question is for both of you. I'll start with you, Yoruba. This is a we're at a point in history, and we've had points of like this throughout our history where people are pushing back on the idea of talking about racism in school, and you know, don't make my kid uncomfortable and nonsense like that how important is it to tell stories like this in moments like this oh my gosh like incredibly incredibly important and of course when we started this film you know this critical race theory stuff uh hadn't even you know hadn't come to the fore of course there's always been that you know that that undercurrent but uh, now they're trying to pass laws and i think it passed laws um, that, you know, do exactly that, limit what you can say about our history. And it makes no sense. It really is, doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't we want to know 
our history and as as Americans, not just Black Americans, and you know, help to ensure that we can bring a measure of, a, a measure of justice that you know we don't repeat history. You would think anybody wants to would want to do that, and I think even if it's it's such it's such rhetoric that um, that doesn't um, that has no meaning really and fear. It's such 